Hey, everybody, welcome to another night, Monday night therapy session with John and Todd. And, uh, you know, we talked about this for a, a, a little bit before you guys come on and we come on live, and now I forgot everything we just talked about. <laughs> uh, Todd, how you doing? Well, how I'm you doing, doing great. I'm doing great. I'm a little concerned about your memory, though, because my goodness gracious, we were just talking three minutes ago and all of a sudden it's gone. So, wow. Yeah, you're in worse shape than I am, I guess. So, hey, things have been going pretty good. I finally had a weekend at home where I could actually sit down and watch some college football. And I was planning for the whole day. I did have to acquiesce and spend an hour going looking at houses with my wife. But uh, I really didn't miss a whole lot because Ohio State just continued to pound the crap out of Iowa while I was gone. So uh, no big no big loss there. But, yeah, I had a good weekend. And, and uh, shoot, now I'm – Went, went to Holdridge, and now I'm in Columbus. So I've been all over hell. You said you were supposed to do a shout-out thing. Oh, yeah. Hey, right, See right, that? right. And you thought I my memory was bad. Yeah, well, I even wrote stuff down here. <laughs> Son of a Oh, boy. <laughs> what the hell is this podcast going to look like in 20 years if we're still alive? Holy shit. We'll have to have, like, service dogs, service animals. Todd, one year. What's it going to look okay. like? One year. Okay. Don't get my hopes yeah. up. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe that's because John, I'm, I'm riding on this wave of feel good because I was, uh, I was out in the sand hills uh, this past week doing part of my job and in some of that beautiful country, you know, with the big cattle ranches, big cattle ranches and small little towns. And I, I made a, took a visit to Sand Hills high school in Dunning, Nebraska. And when I was in there, I met uh, one of our uh, one of our regulars on Corn Nation, one of our posters, and uh, goes by the the handle of seventy six Raiders O two, and I told him that I would give him a shout out in the show here today, as well as his his students in his social studies classes. So you know we're glad to have him as part of the Corn Nation family, and maybe he can uh, recruit some of his kids to get involved on some of our podcasts. However, John, however. However, he did, say, he did say that he does censor what he shares with his kids because of your salty language. Because my your, salty language, your your salty language, my salty language. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I am going to take credit for something, Todd. I have noticed that over the past few months, that the entire Nebraska media, people doing podcasts, people doing videos, the entire Nebraska media, unless they're like in a situation where the FCC could find them, uh, the whole the whole landscape, the language is a lot saltier than it used to be. And I I, I was watching, uh, who was it? Well, Adam Carricker is not going to swear because he's a family guy, but uh, Dr. Rob, I, he's saying the F word more. And I've been saying it less because Scott Frost is no longer around and I don't feel it necessary to be, become that just angry about things. Uh, before we go on, I did a T-shirt giveaway with a piece of software called King Sumo. And the reason why I use the software is because it chose the winners, not me. Uh, uh, so we have, I gave away three t-shirts and they go to Paul Koch, who actually was a member of the 90s strength and conditioning staff that I know and I need to do a video about his book still. I keep saying that. Jason Irvin and Russell S. Dostal. So I will be contacting those three winners by email to find out what size of shirt they want and uh, what's going on with that. And the other thing is you guys need to subscribe to our channel and hit the like button on our videos so more YouTube uh, YouTube thinks that uh, people like us and they'll show us to more people. So uh, John, they actually get to they actually get to get the uh, size of t-shirt that fits them. You're just not emptying out the, the extras that you have left over. So you know a, a gentleman of my girth, could actually maybe get one that fits rather than like a child medium or, or whatever. I mean, <laughs> you know what? I actually went back recently and I went into the store and I put, you can get a size small to a five X large in the, in the official coronation, like cult t-shirt kind of thing going what on. What does a five X large actually look like? I, could you, could you I put a stick in the middle of it and make a tent? Oh my God, that's huge. 
It is. I mean, and I'm a large guy, but wow. Wow. Okay. Hey, uh, uh, one of my buddies, one of my long-term buddies from SB Nation, uh, Travis T. Mill on, I think it is on Twitter, went out and he said, now he tweeted at me and he said he spent 15 to 20 minutes on this. And I don't, I think that's a lie, but he came up with a way that there could be a seven way tie in the big yeah. 10 West with Northwestern winning the division. Well, take, and, take and, just one slight step back from that because yeah. there's a lot riding on the Nebraska Illinois game this week because, and we've had some questions already showing up about Illinois and we're going to talk more about that game in a bit, but if Nebraska wins, Who's sitting on top of the Big Ten West, huh? 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 Nobody was thinking that after the Oklahoma game. No one. Me included. So, yeah, talk to us about this seven-way tie with Northwest, Northwestern winning the West. Okay, so I put a, I put a, uh, a link to the Twitter from the Sickos Committee. I don't know if you guys followed or on Twitter much, but the Sickos Committee is uh, – well, it's a it's an account that loves the just the bizarre and weird things that happen in college football because they do happen all the time, and and because we're in the Big Ten West and we have Iowa and their nepotism arrangement and their bad offense, and then we have you know Scott. We have a kind of I Haas got upset with me last week and he said you, you stop talking about the fact that all these teams are bad. He didn't get really upset. Yes, he did. Anyway, he said they cannibalize each other. So I think we're going to start a new, you know, we're not bad. We're just all even or something. Yeah. But uh, the Sickos Committee tweeted this, and it went through all the wins and losses. There's a nice graphic that I don't know how to put up on this damn thing. You'd think I'd learn by now. Uh, but it shows all of the wins and losses that would have to occur for a seven-way tie with Northwestern as champs. Now, for Nebraska, it means we beat Illinois. And Wisconsin, so that's, I think. Yep. We beat Illinois and Wisconsin. We lose to Minnesota, Michigan, and Iowa, which, you know, you can t tell what the bad part is right there immediately. But what it has is Northwestern going on a three-game winning streak at the end of their season, beating Minnesota, Purdue, and Illinois. And, you know, that would be a Pat Fitzgerald thing to figure his team out right at the end of the season. So, so – Four and eight Northwestern plays in the Big Ten championship game. It it could work. It could work. With well, they they would be uh, four and two in the Big Ten West or something like that. Yes, they would. They'd be four and two, and uh, well, Nebraska would end up two and four. So we don't like that. But it it just goes to show you that there anything can happen for the rest of the season. It's all. Uh, it's uh, it's nuts. It's crazy. I got to go back to my notes to figure out where I'm going next. Well, I think Coach Whipple even said a few weeks ago that, you know, while the Big Ten West might not be particularly strong or have any particularly great teams, it is very competitive. It's very competitive because, you know, no team in the in the Big Ten West yet has separated themselves from everyone else. That's true. Okay. You watched a lot of football last week. Yep. Yep. You got the yep. chance to sit around on your ass Saturday and watch football. What I did, did you see? Oh, I already kind of mentioned it. My weekend was made when those Buckeyes absolutely beat the crap out of Iowa. And, um, you know, the interesting part of that is, is that, you know, Iowa's defense looked okay for a little bit and Iowa's special teams looked okay for a little bit. But then eventually, you know, the dam broke and, and Ohio State ended up pretty much blowing them out of the stadium. Um, you know, what I, what I think is uh, interesting is, you know, we're starting to hear more and more uh, the, the whole nepotism thing. And, and people are pondering whether Kirk Ferentz is going to get fired at the end of the season or what are you going to do about this and what are you going to do about that? Um, the truth is. Iowa fans, and I know a lot of them, I know a lot of Iowa fans, for the most part, they haven't been Kirk Ferentz fans in quite a few years. They're, you know, the money people, uh, the AD, they certainly have backed him and they've backed him through thick and thin. There's arguably he should have been shown the door a couple of years ago with all of the, 
crap that was going on with the racial issues. And, and, you know, you could perhaps even argue you should have been shown the door earlier than that when they had some of that uh, rhabdo stuff happening too. But the truth of the matter is, is that he is really insulated with his contract there. And he can't fire the offensive coordinator. He can't fire the offensive coordinator. The offensive coordinator answers directly to the athletic director, Barta. And that's because that's how they got around the nepotism rules in the state of Iowa. And so not that he would because, you know, Kirk's got to go home and say howdy every night to the offensive coordinator's mom. So it is kind of a, a prickly situation, and who knows how this is all going to shake out. I just hope that Iowa keeps losing and losing and losing because <laughs> Iowa fans are absolutely going to lose their minds because they really don't see a way out of this whole thing unless Barta somehow grows a pair and says enough is enough. Weston says his buyout is forty-five million. That's not true, is it? I thought it was twenty-seven or something. That would be one hell of a buyout. That's protection. Yeah, He's insulated really, really well. Holy smokes! <sighs> okay, I watched. Uh, you know, because of the family arrangement here, I watched Minnesota get bludgeoned by Penn State, and uh, they got it was it was they were surprisingly not good. I you know I thought Penn State was a decent team, but uh, Minnesota started a new quarterback, uh, Austin Kalakanakadis or some damn thing. And I think he will be a fine quarterback, but how would you like to have your first game at a wideout at Penn State at night? I mean, that'd be pretty tough sledding. Yeah, Minnesota had tons of false start penalties. P.J. Fleck was on the radio saying that Penn State players were calling out plays. And honestly, I got to say uh, – the noise and a hundred, what is it? 110,000 people at Penn state. They have a big damn stadium. Yeah. I know they yeah. have over a hundred thousand there. Yeah. The noise. I don't think it, I, you don't have to blame the Penn state people for that. I don't know. Maybe they were, but <laughs> they're really doubtful. Wow. 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 You know, another game I, I, I watched that I was kind of intrigued by was Syracuse and Clemson. And the way Syracuse looked in the first half, I thought, holy smokes, you know, they may get these guys from South Carolina. Unfortunately, they didn't. And I did read a few posts. That is, you know, in the second half, I really didn't see a whole lot of that because I was house hunting. Um, but uh, uh, from what I understand, uh, certainly the momentum, if not uh, the proliferation of yellow laundry on the field, um, certainly started to go against Syracuse. Here's what I thought was interesting about Syracuse. I didn't know this until somebody mentioned it during the game, but um, or actually pregame. The offensive coordinator at Syracuse was at Virginia, and he was shown the door when Virginia uh, unloaded Bronco Mendenhall. And apparently, when Scott Frost was, you know, realigning and and hiring new assistant coaches on the offensive side of the ball, apparently this fellow was uh, one of the top candidates to fill that position. And um, he, Frost didn't hire him. Obviously, he, he uh, hired Coach Whipple. And uh, this guy has gone on to Syracuse now. And Syracuse last year was somewhere in the 90s in, the, in total offense. And already this year, they're in the mid-20s. So uh, apparently that guy does uh, have, have a little bit of uh, offensive genius, maybe. Genius. I thought, honestly, I thought that Clemson, that whole fix was in at the end of that game because I watched that too. And you just like, okay, really? Because, you know, stuff like that happens at Clemson. Weston has looked it up and his buyout is $42 million. That oh, is, can't be right. Is it really? Man. Well, now I understand why Governor Kim Reynolds is not spending any money in the state of Iowa. She's taking all of that money and hoarding it so that she can buy out Kirk Ferentz's contract. Maybe that's it. All right. We're going to go through a few more news items, and then we'll get to your, your stuff. Volleyball is number one, Todd. Number one. Number one. The number one in the nation. I'll have you watched have you the volleyball play, John? Yeah. Are they impressive right now? They're just uh, – you know – 
the defense is incredible. The Lexi Rodriguez and Kenzie Knuckles and then Nicklin. Uh, and I think the thing that, that strikes me about him is Maddie Kubik is a really wonderful, wonderful, wonderful player. And it's almost she's like she's an afterthought now. <laughs> I know. I know. I think she has to be one of the best to volleyball players in the nation. And you're kind of like, oh, there's Maddie Kubik. Because that Lowenstein girl, she has that – Lowenstein girl gets that look on, on her face like uh, – Oh, come on. Michaela Fecky used to. If you ever oh, watched yeah. her, she, yeah. she started out a match kind of loose, and then something happened. She suddenly, like, burn people to death with her eyeballs. And then uh, I'm kind of – I'm uh, Well, back at Alec in Europe. That's it. That's Holy it. Smokes. Just, and then you got Horde. Yeah. What? It's pretty amazing that uh, – I mean, if they don't win a national title, we're all going to be horribly disappointed. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, they are playing so well right now. They're taking no prisoners. And, you know, there is still the belief they are not hitting all, on all cylinders. I mean, you know, um, Coach Cook has shown that he gets his teams to peak. You know, you want to be playing your best a month from now, not right now. And so, you know, if – if his track rev record proves to be true, they got a whole nother level to climb yet, which is just amazing. And, you know, the, the crazy thing is, is that they're running this offense, you know, this 6-2 offense, running two setters, which that's about as far as I want to go with my, you know, sharing my <laughs> lack of wisdom on, on the volleyball X's and O's. But the way I've heard it explained is, you know, you're not going to win national championships running that kind of an offense unless you have four outside hitters that are consistent and that are just flipping deadly. And Nebraska has that kind of depth, apparently. And, you know, you mentioned the back row defense. What's equally impressive is their defense at the net. My God, they yeah. block and block and block. You know, you just hear that thud, thud. And Nebraska girls throwing their arms up in the air celebrating another block score, you know. Holy smokes. They are they are flipping awesome right now. I hope they continue, you know, to, to they play Wisconsin Wednesday night in Wisconsin. So that will be that will be a true there test. You there you yeah. go. Yeah. Uh, Nebraska picked up a top recruit in the nation, ranked number two nationally by on three, which I thought was interesting. I think rivals rates him like 56 and 247 rates him 67th in the nation. I don't follow recruiting well enough to know why they're all over the board on that. But uh, Malachi Coleman from Lincoln committed to Nebraska. He'll play probably wide receiver if Mickey Joseph is still around. He's also an edge guy. Have you seen him play? I have not seen him play. I've uh, read quite a bit about him. He apparently just has some incredible athletic gifts. Um, and, and, you know, at this point he's staying home. Um, I think the, I think the unwritten or the read between the lines is Malachi Coleman is going to go wherever Mickey Joseph is. If Mickey Joseph is at Nebraska, I think Malachi Coleman's going to be there. If he's not, I think that would be a pretty good indication of where Malachi Coleman will end up, wherever that is. So, I, um, yeah, you know, I've watched, I, I, I've watched his recruiting thing, you know, his video, you know, live that stream. stuff is so much bullshit. I hate that stuff. Yeah, you do, but it's his moment, Todd. The guys, the kid had, I, I went out, you know, I wrote the recruiting article. He went out and uh, read some stuff on him. I mean, he was abandoned as a kid. His mom. Well, his story is great. His, his story is amazing. So it was <laughs> his day, Todd. Stop being a grouchy old bastard for once. Just let the kid have his day. I thought it was my turn to be the grouchy old bastard. What? A uh, his voice sounds like Shaquille. I mean, it's deep. I mean, <laughs> I could barely understand the thing he said. It was amazing. Okay, another big news that went under the radar. The Big Ten is keeping divisions for 2023, which means we'll still be the Big Ten West for one more year. Okay, we'll just what? go on with that one. <laughs> <laughs> then we're going to do this pod thing or something like that. Well, I don't know. Yeah. You know what, then what? You know what, then? We're going to take some comments 
Um, da -ba -da -ba -da -ba -da. Let's see. By the way, go get his shirt. Kingsley Gibbons, serious question. Would Brett Bilema ever be consideration for the head coach job? No. I hope so. <laughs> Why? <laughs> the guy can flat-ass coach. Well, he, he can coach. He huh? can't coach, Todd. But yeah, I don't want people just to end up missing at Nebraska because Brett Villa will find out later he's been eating them. <laughs> and yes, I'm going to make fun of him for that. I just, you know, it's it's kind of like PJ Fleck. Okay, right now Minnesota fans, there's a lot of them that are like, yeah, I don't know about PJ Fleck. I just don't think his personality would fit well. Although this past this past few days, well, this weekend when people were paying attention to college football, I asked on Twitter, uh, do you care if the next coach unites the fan base? And by and large, people said no. They said no, they did not care. The, they cared about winning uniting the fan base. And I guess, you know, I, I admire our Nebraska media people, you know, the Lincoln Omaha paper, they're just the same thing now. But if a guy, if somebody somewhere that has a celebrity or something says something about Nebraska football and macaroni, they do a story on Nebraska football and macaroni. So that is impressive. I don't know where I was going with that other than taking shots at him. But uh, – all right, next question. Oh, time out. I, I'm not done what? talking about Bert. One one other thing about about Bielema. I mean, the run the damn ball guy is going to be really really happy if he is at Nebraska. And I'm I'm run the damn ball guy. Are you really? I am. I am. Okay. I, I've expressed that before. I like to see him wing and zing a bit too, but. What what gets a crowd in, in in Memorial Stadium any more jacked up when than when Nebraska runs the ball four or five consecutive times for seven eight yards a pop between the tackles? Nothing, nothing. I think MK makes a good point. We're not poaching another Big Ten teams coaches because we're although playing. anything goes these days. Uh, okay, uh, here's here's another one. From Casey Johnson. So what is the headliner story going to be if Mickey wins the West, goes bowling, and is is the interim coach, wins Big Ten Coach of the Year? There is a shot at all of this. There, there, there is a shot at all of this. Yeah. Uh, what is the headliner story going to be? Uh, well, I, I can tell you this. Here's how media works, all right? There's a lot, of, and I'll try not to go off on too much of a rabbit hole. For 20 years, I wrote in the computer industry for 20 years before I came to sports and started coordination. But the media works like this. If it's up, tear it down. If it's down, build it up. So the storyline will be like a rags to riches story about Mickey Joseph coming out of nowhere, uh, being the first black head coach in Nebraska football history, uh, doing good taking the shit end of the stick and making a pie out of it, a cake out of it, the cake that everybody actually would want to eat too. And I mean, it would be people that I will tell you this, everybody, the athletic, those guys, everybody would eat this story up and they would love it, which is why, I, you know, it'd be really nice if it happened, not just for the, the winning side of it, because it'd be a cool story. And I think we've all come to We've come to respect and admire and love Mickey Joseph well enough that we want to have that happen. It's not like you're looking at him going, well, I hope he fails. Well, I haven't heard anybody say that. If those three things happen, if those three things happen, the headline will be Mickey named head coach. That's what the headline will be. If he is, and I'm not saying he gets that if he's, <laughs> if he uh, gets to a bowl game. And I'm not saying that will happen if he wins the Big Ten West. But if he if he is recognized as the Big Ten Coach of the Year, which I would hope would be contingent upon <laughs> some miraculous victory in the Big Ten Championship game, then I don't think there's any way you say uh, uh, I don't. I, then then I don't think we see the headline: Mickey Joseph agrees to be wide receiver coach. <laughs> okay, here's the next one, Todd. I'll let you handle this. Jay Keats says, "I want to know what coaches you would keep at Nebraska football." Okay, I would keep Mickey Joseph. I would keep Coach Bush. 
I would keep, uh, God, I'm horrible on first names. Becton, Sean Becton, the tight end coach. I would, I would keep those guys, those guys for sure. Well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna cop out on this and say whoever the next coach is has to be able to pick his staff. But you would hope he'd look at it and go, "I have to keep this guy because he's a good recruiter." You typically keep a guy on staff so that you can hold the team together that you have, and you typically keep a guy on staff so there's a smoother transition. So one of your people on staff can have, you know, I it can tell you what's going on. <laughs> well, I, because. Yeah, I think that's true. Very true. Like, who's going to explain to the new guy how the black shirt tradition is supposed to work? <laughs> well, I saw somebody say something earlier. We need to give him to the offensive lineman. Or I misread his. You know, I, no, here it is. Oops, I clicked it off. Um, Lloyd M. Christmas. John, just say MJ would bring back the black shirts and give them to the offensive line instead of the defense. For whatever reason, do you guys think the O line would be better or worse? <laughs> I don't think the. Uh, well, hey, you, know, I you, you brought this up, and I was, uh, you know, I I wanted to say this at some point, and I think it, right now is as good as any time to say it. I was listening to uh, Hill Varsity on my drive up to Columbus today, and they had Charlie McBride. They have him on every Monday, and. Um, if you don't, if you haven't listened to Charlie McBride on the radio, you guys need to tune in and do that. Usually they have him on somewhere between, you know, around 4.30 on Mondays. But um, Charlie McBride, you know, prior to becoming uh, Nebraska's defensive coordinator, he had coached D-line. He also had coached the offensive line. As a matter of fact, he was the offensive line coach at Arizona State for quite a few years. He remarked how his biggest player was 6'2", 240 pounds, and they kicked everybody's ass because they were so fast. Um, nonetheless, something he said tonight about the offensive line uh, kind of surprised me a little bit. And he said, we don't need a whole lot of new offensive linemen. We've got good yeah. players. And he said, they're going to be better because they're going to be older. They're going to be better because they're going to have more experience. Now, what he didn't say was, you know, the D word, talking more about development. But that's what he was leading to, is that there needs to be a, a different approach with those guys. And, you know, we've cussed and discussed yeah. this until we're blue in the face. But I found it really interesting to think that, you know, Charlie McBride, at least, is sold on at least some of the players that we have uh, playing on the offensive line. And the other thing that he talks a lot about is – the mental aspect of the game. And he said, you know, there's a lot of times those guys are confused out there. There's a lot of times out there, yeah. you know, where they just don't have the confidence to play. Now, some old ass kicker like Charlie McBride talking about not having the confidence, you know, that's a little bit different than hearing something like that from a, you know, a more uh, laid back uh, tree hugging kind of a coach. Did you know, did you know, Todd, that Charlie McBride used to carry a stick with two nails sticking out of it? I, I heard that? I heard I heard the legend of Charlie McBride and yeah. the stick with two nails. Yes. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's go with this one. Lonnie Kittleman says, a lot of talk about Kiffin on other podcasts these days. They, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago. I think Adam Carricker brought up, I think it was Jim Leonard on Twitter, and he said she might be talking about him. And what I replied to him and said was, uh, you got to cast your, wet, your net wide because, you know, you never know who's going to be caught up in the net and actually become the next Nebraska football coach. And secondly, we, we have a ways to go with this. We still have a month and a half left probably before we're going to find out who the Nebraska coach is. And in order to just make – the simple act of making content requires the 24-hour news cycle requires us to bring up every name possible. Now, would would I like to see Lane Kiffin at Nebraska? Will he be entertaining? I'm not 100% sold on him as an actual really good coach. And I guess I haven't – you know, I haven't talked a lot about the, the coach I'd like to see. 
but I think that I think that if you take if you take what's happening now and you look at what's going on with Neil, you realize that there's a different type of coach that we're going to need to be successful. And that's going to be a coach who can work with a whole lot of people that isn't a dictator who can, who, who there's two types of leaders. Okay. There's the leader. That's the leader guy. Let's say an urban Meyer type and what he says goes. And he typically has people around him that just basically fall in line under him. And, and not necessarily that they become sycophants, but they basically, they're, he's the leader and they're the underlings. And then the second type of leader is the type of guy who uh, they like to surround themselves with people who are better or have different alternative views than they do because they believe that it, by having more intelligent people around them or at least different-minded people around them, that they will get better input on different perspectives. And I think that the coach that we need to be successful in the future has to have, be that second type of person. They have yeah. to be able to look at somebody and say, I don't see why we would use this guy. Why do you see this, Bob? And Bob will explain it, and the coach will listen to him. Instead of like being, oh, let's say an Urban Meyer type who says, screw you, Bob, you're an idiot. Because <clears throat> I think that's going to be really important going forward. With all the different types of interference, you've got nil, you've got boosters, you got you know outside voices, portal, transfer, if I had four arms, they'd be moving all over. Well, I, I'll tell you what. I I, if Nebraska ended up with Lane Kiffin, I'm all right with that. You know, I. Yeah. But I, you know, I'm not. I'm not losing sleep over this because I would take Brett Bielema too. I'd take Lane Kiffin. I'd take Mike Leach. I mean, there's a lot of good coaches out there, and what's really different right now compared to the situation, you know, after they let Mike Riley go, is you know they can cast a really wide net right now. Everybody back then was really locked in on Scott Frost. And then, you know, there were some people who thought there might be other coaches that should be considered, but nonetheless, you know, that's where we're at right now. So. All right. We're going to, I'm going to take this because uh, Linda's always here. Yeah. Uh, Linda asked, why did I, I can't find it now. Oh, here it is. Linda Wilkins asked, why did the former player for Nebraska get arrested the other day? Uh, it was Xavier Betts, who's no longer on the football team, and he was arrested for a failure to appear. That's My son got arrested for this, my oldest son. He got arrested because he didn't uh, didn't pay a parking ticket, and if you don't pay the parking ticket, sooner or later they get they put out an arrest warrant for you, and he got hauled in and put in jail in a suit. It was kind of funny. I thought it was kind of funny. I'm sure he didn't think it was too amusing. But, you know, you do stupid things when you're young and you get arrested for them, you know. There it is. Matthew McCann says bench warrant, which I think is the proper term for what I just described. Uh, okay, let's go back to – you know what? I'll, I'm going to take one. I, I – Whoops, that's not it. We already did that. Blaine Cole from Japan asked this personal question. John, I don't suppose you are a former serviceman. Actually, no, I am not. I have two older brothers. Uh, one served in Vietnam and one served in, the, in yeah, West Germany, not East Germany, uh, during Vietnam. And they both separately came and told me before, when I was growing up to not go into the military. So I actually listened to other people. Believe, if you can believe that, that was one of the few times of my life that I did. But uh, I did during college. I tried to join the Air Guard, and then Ronald Reagan. Something happened. They screwed my papers up. I couldn't go to, I couldn't go to basic, and they said, "Okay, well, we're going to discharge you, and the next year come out and sign up again." And then that year, Ronald Reagan cut off all sorts of. Uh, like social security benefits for people like me. My father was a veteran. He died when I was 12. So I still got social security benefits because he was a veteran. Ronald Reagan killed all that. I went out to join up again and, and they said, nope, everything's full. You don't get a join. So I do. I have an honorable discharge from the Air National Guard for two months and 21 faithful days of service to my country. There's a story for you that's kind of weird. But uh, say I, if you're a regular, I'll just answer weird questions you have. What else we got going on? Well, here's – did you watch the LSU Ole Miss game? Did you watch any of that, you know, since we were talking about Lane Kiffin? Um, 
I'll tell you what, and, and I've always been an LSU fan. I can't cheer for him right now with my heart and my soul because I can't stand Brian Kelly. And, and so that kind of taints things for me. But I'll tell you what, LSU looked pretty damn good. And uh, it hasn't taken him long to kind of right the ship because, uh, you know, <laughs> LSU was not good last year. And uh, but the, the one thing that Coach O could do is he could recruit athletes and uh, the cupboard was not bare. And LSU, I thought, looked pretty good. Here's here's another one. And then I'll get off this other other school stuff. Is Jimbo Fisher on the hot seat at Texas A&M? Well, yeah, I just yeah. read that he's got three of his uh, starting offensive linemen are done for the season. They're out. And what so, do you mean they're out? Well, it sounds like they're injured, so they won't be playing, which they've struggled anyway. And can you imagine? I mean, the the amount of money that they have paid him, the amount of money yeah. that Texas A&M has generated for nil, all of that stuff is going on. And here Jimbo Fisher could fall flat on his face and be out because the, the Aggies are the ones that would unload somebody under those kinds of conditions. Oh, yeah, they are. Did you even I, – I, when they hired him, I thought, what in the hell? I mean, I think he was a good coach. I didn't think he was worth all the money they threw at him. I think it was originally $75 million guaranteed, and now it's like 97 It's a ridiculous amount It's of money. just some incredible amount of money. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So. Should we go to Illinois? Yeah. We're going to win. So if you have questions about Illinois, just go ahead and throw them out here. Uh, I'm going to read this. This is from, you know, every week. Uh, the, well, all of the time, okay, you're Nebraska media person. You get emails from the athletic department uh, about every team. And every, every week they send out, I want to say show notes. They're not show notes. They're game notes. But they send out game notes. I don't mean to be rude to sports writers, but in fact – the people who provide the media stuff from athletic departments and teams and everything, they provide you with so much information. I mean, literally all you have to do is rewrite the press releases and bam, you're a sports writer. It's pretty amazing. Anyway, uh, here's the line. A win on Saturday would give Nebraska its first win against a ranked opponent since a 35-32 to 32 over number 22 Oregon on September 17th. 2016. Take a guess of how many games Nebraska has lost against ranked opponents since then, Todd. Since 2016. Yes. 15. 15. Higher. 18. One. 19. 19. 19, 19 losses a row against ranked opponents. Do we have a chance against Illinois? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Why do you think we have a chance? Well, okay. So <laughs> I guess, wait, wait. We have to start with one of our regulars. He asked this way back at the beginning, and it's this from M. Gaboski. Is Illinois legit? Tell us why we have a chance, and I'll just leave that up there, and we'll get to this. Well, well I believe Illinois is legit, but I think Nebraska can beat Illinois. And the, the, the truth of the matter is, is that, Illinois is going to, um, at least on the defensive side of the ball, you know, they're going to, they're, you know, they're going to try to put all kinds of pressure and heat on Casey Thompson. If the offensive line can hold up, and I understand that's a huge if, but, you know, Whipple is a crafty old fox. And if they can figure out a way, to, you know, uh, get the ball into Trey Palmer's hands, get the ball into Marcus Washington's hands. You know, it, it, I have a feeling that Nebraska is going to be able to move the ball down the field. Now, if Illinois is going to try to take Trey Palmer out of the game, then I think Nebraska gives him a heavy dose of Anthony Grant. And I think Nebraska's got the weapons to, um, to put points on the board. Now, by the same token, you know, we know that Illinois is just going to pound the ball. They're going to pound it and pound it and pound it. Well, does Illinois have the kind of quarterback 
that if Nebraska were to load things up in the box and potentially slow those guys down, do they have the kind of quarterback that's going to wing zing it down the field and exploit uh, Nebraska's pass defense or the, the 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 defensive backfield? I don't know, but that harebrained analysis follows basically my premise that Nebraska played every team in the Big Ten last year in the Big Ten West within one score. Why would we expect it to be any different this year? And if the ball <laughs> bounces a certain way, who knows what's going to happen? Now, Bielema... Uh, wait, I'll give you two reasons. JoJo Doman is gone and Chase Brown. Continue. Brett I took your old man brain and I put it off track, didn't I? I should have yeah, let you go. Brett Bielema, he <laughs> does have a good record in Memorial Stadium. Um, he he uh, um, won there as a grad assistant at Iowa. He won there as a grad assistant at Kansas State. And uh, now Nebraska did beat him when he was the head coach at Wisconsin once. But um, I'll tell you what, I, I'm going to be happy when I walk out of the stadium on Saturday and Nebraska is leading the Big Ten West. I think it's going to happen. Do you really? Yeah, I do. Uh, okay. I keep trying to talk my way into this too, but it's just they run the ball. They got that DeBito kid as a – you know what? He is a better-looking quarterback than I expected. I don't think that they have – I don't think that they have the, the explosive firepower to just go, oh, we're going to score 10 points in two minutes kind of thing. But I do – I think that they're just – they're there is Illinois legit – they're legit because this year the Big Ten West is is just well. They're full of really good teams that cannibalize each other. If we're going to do the new marketing spin on the Big Ten West, but they're really Illinois. I think has the right players in the right situation at the right time to win the Big Ten West, and I really think that. I mean, I I looked at the Purdue game and I thought I I honestly thought we could beat them forty five to forty two is what I said, and Trey Palmer was. Uh, Trent Palmer was what I was going to, you know, if, if we can get the ball to him, if we can get the ball constantly moving with the, I think in the passing game and mix it up again, because we're going to have to, uh, I, 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 like you said, it's at home in Lincoln and maybe the crowd will be extra into it. And, uh, you know, maybe Illinois, you know what? Well, Illinois lost that first game in the season to Indiana, didn't they? Yeah. I watched that, and Indiana is not a good team. They are not a very good team. And Tom Allen will probably be. I if people haven't mentioned him being on the hot seat, uh, he has to be on the. I I would think that he's probably not going to survive this season either. But uh, I was going to say Illinois is due for a, a bad game. Well, maybe this is it. You know, maybe. Maybe it's the gods, the powers that be that that run this simulation we're living in are just going to say, "Ah, oh, let's screw with this. Let's have a seven win, a seven way tie for first place." With you know, <laughs> well, you know, the, obviously both teams have had a couple of weeks to prepare for this game. I mean, both of them, you know, were idle last week. Uh, if if uh, hey, if Mickey Joseph is the motivator. Uh, if he's the, you know, the motivator that everybody says that he is, um, yeah, we'll see. Who knows? That's why they play the game. That's why they play the game. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, oh, why? How, why? How do you pronounce that name, Todd? Oh, why? Okay. Oh, why? says, how many yards did the Purdue running back have? Chase Brown is going to eat up the Nebraska defense. So come on, be fair to be fair to our defense. They spent the first freaking half figuring out how they were going to tackle the guy. I mean, that I said this before. That guy was exactly the guy you never wanted to tackle in uh, kill the carrier, they call it. But I had a I remember when I was young, we had this one guy who would always pick up the ball. He'd be wearing like a big heavy trench coat. We'd be playing a winter in the snow, and he would pick up the ball and he'd start swinging his arms like this, you but, know. And the only way you could tackle him is if you timed it well enough to miss the the swinging. I mean, that Wisconsin was that. Wisconsin didn't have any problem tackling him. 
Wisconsin tackled him. So, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, Chase Brown. What? That was Wisconsin's 16th straight win over Purdue. Yeah. Or 17th. Chase Brown is going to get hurt in the first series. He won't hurt Nebraska because he's going, he's going to be injured. I, I'm not sure what this guy's referring to. Matthew McCann, Grant, Yant, Ramir, Irvin. Who the hell do you mean, Marcus Washington? I think he's referring to another comment. Some Another poster asked, why isn't Washington oh. carrying the ball more? Because his yards per carry is 10 yards per carry, and he did that on a jet sweep. Oh, that was uh, Palmer, wasn't it? I think Washington had one. Let's see, Kingsley Givens, how much being at home help Huskers beat Illinois? Well, I haven't looked at the line. I'm the guy that writes the odds articles. Yeah. You know what the line is? Well, there's a better chance we're going to beat them at home than we're going to beat them in Champaign. I mean, the line is usually three points at home, so you get three points for being at home. I, I The line, I don't think, is is uh, too skewed in favor of Illinois. So, I don't know. Let's go back. Uh, so, we got really on – I don't – when you look at an Illinois team overall, I don't think you're looking at any. They have Chase Brown. They have – I keep wanting to say Danny DeVito. I think it's Tommy DeVito, the quarterback I bring up. But uh, I don't think that they have, other than those two guys, They, I, no, nobody really stands out as, oh, my God, this guy is going to kill us, you know. And I think that's the thing about why Illinois is probably legit is because they're all – Bird has them playing together as a team pretty well. Well, and, and they're tough and they're physical. That's probably a dangerous thing. Yeah, you know, I mean, here's here's the thing. Do I think the, the Nebraska can win? Yes, I think that they can win. You know, that's when we get into that, you know, probably and possibly. And, um, you know, I just, I just got a feeling. I, I, I think – that Nebraska, you know, here's the thing. At some point in time, you know, these are our lines, both of our lines, offensive and defensive lines, you know, at some point in time, they're going to have to stand up and say enough's enough. And and we've seen that happen. We've seen that happen in the last few years where, you know, there has been this moment when uh, it seems like they've, they, they've got it put together. And why not this week, you know? And Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe Illinois just pounds the crap out of us too. That could happen. M. Gaboski comes back with Nebraska plus seven point five. So, you know, I guess it's a. You know what that is, Todd? That's one. Score. Is that what is, is, is that as one score, isn't it? Why would it be anything else? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Purdue was favored as a double digit. Uh, you know, favored, whatever. Oh, my God, I'm running out of words. Larry Anderson, the Illinois defense will know where the weak spots are on our O-line because, well, it's obvious and will cause us to make two pivotal mistakes, costing us the game. Come on, Brian. You're supposed to be happy or, or I don't know, homerist. Well, I, that's just it. I think that, uh, you know, it's pretty obvious our tackles don't block worth a damn. But we did have a bye week, and maybe they've, I don't know, maybe they've figured out some players to put in there or some guys to swap in or a, a way of teaching them a little bit more about what they should be doing. <sighs> I don't know. What else we got? Well, hey, I'll let you kind of scan some things here if you find some other questions. But did you, did, did you see? I'll tell you what. And you disagree with me on a lot of this stuff, but I'm going to say it anyway. There are no more thin-skinned people than Texas fans. I mean, come on. You know, they whine and they cry about, you know, the upside-down hook'em horns. You know, they go to the Big 12 commissioner and they convince them to say that, you know, we're throwing flags for unsportsmanlike conduct when other teams do this. They've even brought it up, you know, when the fans are are directing the upside-down hook'em horns to them. I mean, what a bunch of whiny crybabies. <laughs> whiny cryberries, thin-skinned Texans. Well, guess what? 
Mr. Sarkeesian apparently didn't stand in front of the Texas crowd after Okie State whipped their ass on Saturday and sang the eyes of Texas. Oh, he didn't stand there with his team singing the national anthem of Texas like he promised he would at his first press conference when he was named head coach. Because Tom Herman said he was going to leave it up to the players whether or not they stood there for that racist song. But now Sarkeesian, he completely blows it off because his mind was blown that Oklahoma State came back and kicked their butts. And so he runs <laughs> off to the, to the locker room and his team follows him. And Texas, they're probably going to fire him now. <laughs> That's, that's, you know, when I said Mickey Joseph needed to stay around to explain the black shirts, that is exactly the kind of honestly stupid shit that is, I, we get so caught up in, in this stuff, you know, like the balloon tradition that needed to go away. There's a trigger for people because it was outdated and we're just spreading garbage into the world. We don't need to do that kind of shit or, or the black shirts every year. I, I think it's the media people that worry more about that than the regular fans do. Maybe not. I, there are people that are like, ah, you know, it's supposed to work like this and get caught up in that. And I, I would hope that Nebraskans are at the point that we're kind of beyond a lot of that stuff that we really just want to go offensive line blocked. Yes. And then we don't worry about all the rest of this stuff, but you know, I'm the guy that doesn't get to the games as much as I want to, and doesn't get there hardly at all. So it's easier for me to say the hell with the traditions when I'm right, not there at the, the weekly, you know, mass or prayer service that we have for our football games. The pastor changed how this went in this order. My God. I just think it's weird that people get caught up in that stuff. But I, I understand that they do, I guess, to a certain point. But, but the whole eyes of Texas. Ugh. You know this. They, they, my whole thing with Texas goes back to Augie and their baseball team. Well, yeah, and I loved Augie. It's a shame he ended up yeah. in Texas, but I love him. Oh, let's see. Back-to-back -back interceptions to the end of the game. That's true. I wondered if Matthew McCann back-to-back -back interceptions to the end of the game for Texas was just too sweet. Wait. M. Gaboski comes up with another one. I'm trying to find this. Who's making the playoff? And we'll we'll make this the last topic, Todd, because we both we both should know. Is there going to be eight SEC teams? There, Can Tennessee it, make the playoff? Huh? Can Tennessee make the playoff? Yeah, Tennessee's in. Why they? Just like that? Yeah. Tennessee's in, Georgia's in, Alabama's in, and Ohio State. There's your playoff. I'd say that again. Tennessee. Tennessee and? Georgia. Georgia. Alabama. What? <laughs> and Ohio State? One lost teams get in there in Ohio State. I want to know this. You're going to give me Michigan this. or Clemson, aren't you? That's what you're going to say. Michigan. No, I'm not. I, Clemson is not very good. They should have lost to Syracuse. I, I will say this. Why is no, nobody is talking very much about Michigan? And, you know, it's Ohio State, Ohio State, Ohio State, Ohio State. And I get it. Ohio State is really, really very a good team, and they have so many good players and stuff. But there is not a lot of national talk about Michigan. And I think Michigan just – you know, Jim Harbaugh seems to figure it out. His coaching staff, they have, they have, okay, Donovan Edwards, Blake Corum, they have good quarter or good running backs. They have good defense. Why can't there be two Big Ten teams in the, in the playoff? Well, I want to remind you, and I'll just okay. let other people here know that if you go back to the preseason predictions that we all contributed to on Corn Nation, there was an individual who said Michigan is going to win the Big Ten East and Michigan is going to be the Big Ten champions. And that was this little feller here talking with you, okay? But the reality <laughs> is, is that you're right. A lot of people aren't giving credit to, to where Michigan's at. So maybe I should rephrase. The playoffs will be 
Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, and whoever wins between Michigan and Ohio State. There you go. That that's those are the four. three SEC teams. Who else? <laughs> Give me another oh God, team. That that is true, isn't it? It's really. You no, know, I saw somebody over here said oh something God. about Tennessee. Oh yeah, Matthew McCann says Tennessee's got to get through a legit Georgia and SE championship game to get there. Yeah, I get that. That hooker kid's really good. Oh, he was really good. We should uh, we should we should put this on one of our uh, our topics to discuss as the season moves on. Kind of keep it around. Keep our playoff our, our playoff conversation. Yeah. Nebraska <laughs> could win the Big Ten West, and by the end of the season, they might figure out the offensive line. And if they figured out the offensive line and they gave two and a half seconds to Casey Thompson, what teams could we rip apart? <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I'm, uh, <laughs> all right. Okay. Uh, I, I, one more bit of news. One more bit of news. Uh, <clears throat> oh, my God. I do run out of energy on these things. Nebraska's women's soccer team is is got the fourth seed in the Big Ten tournament, and they are they're hosting. And I, I, you know, I, I try to pay attention to soccer because my kids played soccer and I'd really like us to, you know, I'd like us to be successful in all the sports we have, but, uh, soccer, I think it, this is better than they've done in quite a while, isn't it? Do you know? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I mean, there was a period of time when they competed pretty solid, but yeah, this is, uh, this is a good season for them. I think, yeah, you're right. They're seated fourth. They're playing Ohio state, I believe. And maybe on November, oh, geez, I can't. Uh, no, it's October 30th, I think. I think. Yeah, don't hold me to that. Oh, my God, my crappy memory is coming back to me. Yep. I stood next to Sean Eichhorst when our women's soccer team won the Big Ten title because I was shooting that game, I think. Oh my God! It's 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 really a pain having this lousy of memory, or when you're when you get a little bit burned out, your memory just goes fading away. One more thing from Owen Walker: We have a, a little bit over a minute left. I can't find it. Owen Walker says, "Is Penn State a trap game of Ohio State this weekend?" No, absolutely not. Penn State and Ohio State are pretty good rivals, and Ohio State is well aware of what could happen if they even look past Penn State any in any way, shape, or form. I so, think James Franklin was worrying too much about the tunnel at Michigan, I heard. so. You know, my Penn State guy was furious that the media keeps bringing that up. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't know a damn thing about it until I heard it on the radio today. So. Well, that's what we're we're good at. Uh, Blaine, save your question about the helmet logo for next week. Uh, yeah, pay attention to coordination. There's going to be some. Uh, there's going to be an article coming out next week uh, about helmet logos and uniforms and that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, we might be better prepared to talk about it next week. James Marshall is it possible for a QB to be under more duress than Thompson was against Purdue? Well, actually, yes. We'll see against Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for years I watched Florida State and their offensive lines couldn't block worth a damn, and, and some of their quarterbacks actually got injured uh, because of they – hot damn it. I believe she waited until the end of the show to show off with this stuff. Uh, Todd, I do have a question for you just as we're getting ready to go. Yeah, and a question for the people that are still here: Should we move this to eight o'clock start time? Because oh. more people show up at eight. Are we too old to do that? I'm, I'm, t John. I go to bed at eight thirty. Do you really? Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> Think about it, you guys. Do me a favor. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, if you're watching on Facebook, like this, like this video, and uh, subscribe to our channel. All that kind of stuff gives us some more support. And uh, I wanted to do two or three videos last week, 
and I only ended up doing the one about basketball. I got less than 200 views, which means y'all aren't really paying attention or to or caring much about the men's basketball team. I hope, I hope that I can do some more stuff with the men's basketball team and we will get a march. We will watch Nebraska march to their first NCAA victory in men's basketball uh, because that would be special. And uh, five or six of us will pay attention and care. But one of them will be Kent Fabelka. I think that's all I got. Todd, will you got anything else? Pay attention to the volleyball game Wednesday night. Oh, that's right. That's right. All yeah. right. Good night, Todd. Hey, good night, John.